and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Don Scott, CEO of Frank Mortgage. Frank Mortgage is a new company looking to take the bias out of shopping for a mortgage and make sure that consumers get the best rate possible. And with that, here's my interview with Don. Don, thanks for the time. Thanks, Jason. Uh, pleasure to be here. So Don Scott of Frank Mortgage, tell us about Frank Mortgage. Sure. Uh, Frank Mortgage is uh, an open, transparent online mortgage marketplace where we grant the consumer a little more control over their mortgage process than say they can get in the traditional uh, broker market and also empower them to be able to make their own decision without the heavy influence of an intermediary or, or pressure from the lender. So it's all about using technology to provide information and a to the consumer and a process for the consumer where they can have a little more influence on the outcome. And so by doing that, we reduce the influence of the broker reduce the influence of the lender a bit as well through that process and grant that control back to the consumer so they can have a, a better experience through the mortgage process. But you know, through feedback we hear in the market all the time, sometimes isn't so positive. People talk about it being cumbersome and uh, confusing and opaque, and it doesn't really need to be that. And I think if we're a little more open and transparent with consumers and grant them a little more control over the process, we can break through those pain points okay. and uh, deliver a better outcome. Well, we'll uh, we'll start plowing through all those issues uh, in a minute. But before we get started, tell us about uh, where, well, how this coming, how your company came about. Sure, um, I've been in the mortgage market for about thirty years. I started back in nineteen ninety one uh, with a company called First Line Trust, who was a very innovative lender at the time, uh, innovative in the broker space, innovative in securitization in terms of funding, and so really sort of fell in love with the market through my time at First Line, which was a great company. And But then I flipped over to the capital market side of the business and spent about 25 years working in capital markets, where one of the main roles I played was running businesses that funded mortgage lenders. So I've been around the mortgage market quite a long time, funded some of the medium and uh, small size lenders that are in the marketplace space and so know their businesses fairly well. And I've always seen these issues on the front end of the market that sort of impede you know, the outcome for consumers in terms of getting the best outcome for them and have noticed that nothing really ever changed. So when I left banking, I sort of flipped around to that front end side of the market to see if I could find a way to use today's modern technology to deliver just that for the consumer, uh, give them a fairer shake, uh, a more sort of customer focused, customer first type of platform for them to get the best deal they can possibly find in the mortgage market. Excellent. So uh, we'll get into the mechanism. Let's get into the mechanisms of that. So, okay, talk to me about the typical concerns. I mean, you say that it's a little bit opaque, uh, a little bit concerning. Most people who own a house have gone through this at least once. Talk to me about where, where consumers feel the biggest struggles are, and let's like dig into the roots of them, and how, we'll get into how you can solve for them. Sure. There's a few things. One is, um, you know, they they struggle to get easy access to information. So the mortgage market always seems like this very complex, mystical place for somebody who's unfamiliar with it. And it doesn't need to be quite that mysterious. With technology, with online services, you can present information to users that allow them to do their own browsing, which is the propensity of people today anyways, to go online and browse and do some searching themselves for some information. So it's easier to demystify this marketplace by providing that information online. So that, that's a value of, of the technology right there in terms of financial literacy, um, which is a big plus. But the other things that sort of animate what we do, our ethos, if you will, relate to 
the process and the behaviors in the market of the current participants. You know, the market has a flaw in the way it's set up. Hmm. The brokers are supposed to represent the customer, but we're paid by the lenders. And so that can, you know, steer a bias into the process. And bias because it's not necessarily the same compensation between lenders may not be identical. Exactly. And, you know, they're, we're, all brokers are supposed to represent the customer, but it's not the customer that's paying us. And so our, our economic incentive isn't always aligned with the customer's best outcome. And I think the market has really sort of gelled around that model and it's turned into a market that's very focused on maximizing the outcomes for the brokers and the lenders, but not so much for the customers. And I, I haven't seen improvement in that for years. It's been going on for a long time. Now that's not to disparage all brokers. Some of them, some brokers out there are fantastic and do and do wonderful service for their customers. But there is this inherent flaw in the way the business is set up. So customers often enter the process feeling very uncertain and not not informed, and they often exit the process feeling the same way. <laughs> so they they might have got a mortgage, but they took the mortgage that that broker recommended or that sales rep at the bank that they were dealing with recommended. And they just believe them because hmm, they know better than me, but they weren't really fully armed with information and they weren't armed with, uh, you know, a proper view of the market about what's really possible for them when they made that decision. And so that's what we're trying to allow the technology to do is give them that information and give them that product suite, let them know everything that's available to them in the marketplace, rather than just a select couple of products that I picked for you as your broker, which may be are being influenced by a bias I have for those particular lenders because, you know, that's my best economic arrangement. So we're trying to strip that out by reducing the influence of the broker and let the customer see what's available and make their own decision. Yeah. You know, just like technology, the old saying, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And, sure. you know, any kind of indirect compensation model, while it does attract more consumers because it has the semblance of they're not paying for it, the reality is they're paying for it indirectly. I mean, I deal with the same thing in my day job as a financial planner all the time with all kinds of other advisors with opacity around fees. Uh, so I, I feel yeah. your pain there. The um, But in general, at the end of the day, it's all coming out. It's all their money, period, right? So it, so it does have an impact. It's not like... It's not like um, the the commissions that are basically being paid that are different are not coming out of being passed off in interest rates to the consumer. So it is what it is. So, you know, basically the, you know, people do, different lenders do issue or do offer different uh, rates of compensation. So how do you get around that conflict? Well, what we do is first and foremost, we don't pick the products for the customer. So a customer comes onto our system, and if they go as far as going into our actual application portal, um, you know, that's a high-intent customer that's really looking for a mortgage, not somebody just doing research. So they come in and they, and they go through the application process. If they qualify for a variety of products, what they'll see at the end of that process is all of those products. We won't just present to them a couple of the products that we know we have good arrangements with lenders with that will pay us well. So we're not driven to max our commission. We go into t- traditional broker houses. One of the conversations you'll hear them have internally is maximizing commission. We're not built that way. We're about maximizing customer outcomes. Uh, we'll get paid a commission at the end of the day by the lender, of course, but we're not steering a customer to any particular outcome based on that model. At the end so, of the day, they're the ones pick, picking that mortgage because of the rate they see. Your compensation, if it's you know, if it's if company B that they select pays more than company A, but company B's got the lower rate, or they select it for whatever reason, that's their choice, right? It's not exactly. it's not you driving it. Exactly. So it's a little bit, if you will, like the Expedia of mortgages in that way that they get to see 
everything after putting in their information that might be available to them. And then they can um, ask us questions and go through those products with us, understand the features a little bit better because um, fe features matter as much as rate does to a lot of customers. It's always not just a pure rate decision. And um, we can help them understand all of that, but then they ultimately can make their own decisions. So we're not uh, introducing our own bias into the customer decision. And we also, from the perspective of dealing with the lenders, you know, we're, we're under their typical broker compensation model right now. We're, we're still small. We're a startup. We don't have any influence on that yet. Um, but if there are extra compensation dollars that come to us because we've hit a volume hurdle or something like that, our, our intent is to put that back into the customer so that the customer benefits from, you know, what we get from a lender for delivering, you know, customers to them. Yep. So, all right. So you give them that experience. Let's talk about what that experience looks like start to finish, right? They find you, they get referred to you. What does the consumer experience look like, at least initially until they decide that they want to move forward? Yeah. And, it, you know, there are diff different levels of consumer readiness for the mortgage process. So if, if you start with a consumer who's just starting to try to figure out what their needs are and, and what they can maybe afford, they can come onto our website at frankmortgage.com and they can go through our various tools and uh, blog posts and mortgage glossary and that sort of thing to educate themselves. They can, they can get some instructional uh, information on uh, how to prepare to get your mortgage, the things to look out for. They can use our calculators to determine what they can afford. They can go into our chat room and talk to one of our live agents. They can pick up the phone and call us to do the same thing and have us walk through that with them. We're happy, you know, even if this is customer who's not going to do something, say, for a year from now, they're just trying to get prepared. We can walk them through all of that um, or they can do it independently online, depending on what their preference is. So they can do some homework up front to get prepared. Once they are prepared and they want to get into the process of actually seeing about what they can qualify for, they can... Go into we have a, a rate discovery tool on the website where we just ask six or seven questions and we can show them what the best rates in the market today are for their profile, whether they're looking for an insured mortgage or a conventional loan or whatever the case may be. So they can do that just to sort of get a sense for what kind of rates we offer to see if it's attractive. And then if they want to apply, they register with us and go through an application process that takes about 10 minutes where we ask some personal information, some income information, some information about the property they may be looking for, the area they're looking in, uh, what kind of down payment they have, how much they're looking to borrow, those sorts of things. And then what happens in our system is we have an algorithm that takes all of that data and compares it against the lender's underwriting criteria and product features to make a determination for this particular borrower profile, what products they may be eligible or maybe, maybe able to qualify for that are in the marketplace. So we go out and look at those thousands of products that are available and come back and deliver results to the customer instantly that show them, you know, the variety of options that they have. So they can see there may be some very low rate options. There may be some, some options with the rate that's a bit higher, but maybe the payment features are more flexible or something else. There's other flexibility in the product features that are attractive to them or a longer rate hold period or whatever the case may be. So they can see features and rate to make a determination of, you know, what's best for them. Excellent. So basically, they, they get to this step now that they've gotten a full market survey. And again, it's not just about the rate, right? You have the other features that you're also profiling and making sure that they're well informed about. Um, That's right. Okay, fair enough. Now, I'm curious, is there any sort of nudging about like, are you, just, you know, it's, it's, I wonder if there's a, the Expedia function where they're like, well, if you move your travel date one day, uh, you'll improve by this. Is there any sort of nudging towards alternative solutions at this stage? Or is that something maybe down the road? That, that's more down the road. You know, you, you, 
there's there's a customer adoption and acceptance that period that has to take place for this kind of, of product. And ultimately, where we get down the road is where we can ask the customer for less and go to direct to source to get more information. You know, the, the big one that you hear people talk about in the market today is the CRA, you know, especially when that conversation started a while ago about mortgage fraud from that TV program. And, you know, the CRA is a real solution for that, but it's also a solution for the process in terms of being able to get direct access to some of the key documents in the underwriting process mm-hmm. and it, so that they can't be tampered with. And it also just saves a burden for the consumer that they don't have to go find that themselves. And we can go direct to get banking records and some other things. And so we come up with a much more automated system. And once we have that, uh, the algorithms can be a little more intelligent. They have more data to evaluate and we can play with the outcomes a little bit to say, hey, well, here's here's what you asked for. But if you put a little more of a down payment down, this outcome is possible for you too, where you get a, a better rate and but you, you need an extra $8,000 in a down payment order. So we can give them those kinds of flexible options to compare and contrast that would be you know value for their decision-making process. Yeah, the um, it's interesting because I mean, yeah, I mean, first off, the challenge is getting CRA data. That's not acceptable at this point, unfortunately, uh, for you guys yeah. to ask for that. So that needs to be fixed. You know, all kinds of issues of fraud in this country, but a separate issue altogether. Um, yeah. The reality is, is that what you're really talking about is is taking some of that underwriting away from the, the banks and doing it on as part of your experience, right? Is is basically getting the richer the information you get, the closer you get to a you know an underwritten yes. Uh, but you're giving them, you're you're telling them what's possible based off of all the information that wouldn't be discovered until later. Yes, but at the same time, you have to be careful how we define that because the, the lenders can't give us the underwriting role, and we, we're no. not asking them to do that. But what we can do, so one, this is one of the other sort of value props of this model, at least at Frank Mortgage, is is helping to clean up the bad data for lenders and bring down their overall mm-hmm. costs. Yep. There's a lot of data scrubbing and a lot of back and forth between the broker network and lenders that eats up time and resources. And with a digitized process like this, you can simplify that and deliver a complete file 100% of the time that actually has some you know, algorithmically driven underwriting that's been done that we can communicate to the lender, but they still have to do their own underwriting. They still have to ultimately make the decision, but they, if they trust our system, they can you know, maybe reduce the amount of sort of vetting they have to do of a file. And if the file is complete, like we say, less back and forth between us as, 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 as they have with the traditional broker model. You know, it's, it's, it's so bad at times in the marketplace that we know of some lenders that pay brokers a premium fee for a complete file, which is kind of, wow. kind of, kind of ridiculous, right? You know, they're getting paid extra just to do their job. And so systems like this, once they become a little more ingrained in the, cut, in, in the consumer's mind and in, in their process become, uh, become adopted by the market, become standardized, and we can clean up that bad data for the lenders and really make their underwriting process easier by doing some advanced underwriting of our own that delivers sort of a pre-screened outcome to them that they ultimately have to decide on themselves. But it helps with their process. Absolutely. I mean, someone's got to do that work. You know, just the, if you can, if you can get it done as part of the process, you're leaving in concern for everybody. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So they get to the point where they're like, okay, uh, I want to pursue this. Let's, let's move forward. What's the next step and how much of that is done on a platform versus the traditional way at this point? Yeah. So a customer comes on, sees this marketplace of products that they may qualify for mm-hmm. and they pick a product. So now we move them into the documentation stage for the stages of approval with the lender, whether it's a pre-approval or they're looking for a commitment letter or whatever the case may be. 
And so we have a documentation portal that's presented to the customer with the documentation requirements for that particular lender for that particular product um, at that time. So it's easy to understand. We think that it will reduce the back and forth. For instance, you know, simple little things like an employment letter that needs to be dated 60 days from the date of the application can get messed up a little bit sometimes in, in the traditional process. And if it's dated 67 days from the date of application, goes into the lender, then they have to go back to the broker to get a new one. And now they have to go to the customer and go back to the employer. And you get these processes trying to clean up documents. So we can present directly to the customer exactly what that lender's requirement is. So it's not, there's no misunderstanding and there's no chance for a broker to have maybe misspoken or forgotten something or not presented what's required because we have this standardized documentation format to show the customer. And then the customer can upload the documents into a secure portal, um, which is a big improvement on the traditional market because the traditional market and even some of the new fintechs that are out there still require um, customers to email documents. And you're emailing your your personal financial information, your bank statements, your investment statements, uh, you know, your ID. That's not that's not secure. I, I'd like to see that stop. I'd like to see it be a, a more secure document trans, transmittal out through a portal like this. So we provide that facility to them. We can complete the file, do an underwriting of the file ourselves, scrub those documents, and make sure it's complete 100% of the time, and then click a button and transmit it to the to the lender. So it cleans up that process, makes it easier for the consumer to just click and drag documents up into the portal, no scanning, no faxing, that kind of stuff, no emailing. And, um, you know, it, it just facilitates that back-end underwriting process in a much better way than uh, some of the other models. Excellent. Okay, so basically, does the trans... Okay, so the mortgage gets set up, transaction is done. Um, you know, are you utilizing this in any way, shape, or form as part of the renewal process with people? Is that being led by, by them? Are you nudging them to your site? Like, how is that part of the process working? Yeah, so um, you know we're new, so none of our customers have renewed a mortgage yet. Um, but, yet. Okay, but cer- certainly we'd be part of the communication process with them. You know, they'll, they'll be um, receiving a, a renewal letter from their uh, lender, likely say about six months before renewal. We would we would probably you know be sending out a notice to them in advance of that to give them a heads up that that's coming, and you know if they'd like to talk about what they see from the new renewal from the lender to uh, to contact us or. Just come back online and take a look at around at what's going on in the marketplace and what's available out there to make a comparison against what you've seen in your renewal letter. So we can help them again make a decision on that with information. Give them the information they need about what's going on in the market at that time to make the right decision for themselves to get you know the best rate on the renewal that's possible. All right. So that's all coming. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, you know, we, we we just really launched the business uh, earlier this year. So, um, you know, we, we had, we've we got closed mortgages, but no renewals yet. Fair enough. So talk to me about just consumer feedback in general. What are they What are they saying? What are they seeing? What are they liking? You know, where are the pain points? Actually, I would say, what, well, I'll get to that question later, but the first part. Um, so talk to me about the general feedback. The feedback, uh, I guess there's maybe two categories that I've been sort of very um, uh, pleased with. One is, uh, they've liked the system. They think it's a fairly easy application process, um, and they like the fact that they can upload documents into the portal. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of a proof of, of of sort of the idea that you know this is what consumers want. Because we've heard it in surveys that more and more consumers want to have online solutions for mortgages, and we presented one to them, and we're getting positive feedback about the experience in that sense. So that's been very rewarding. The other aspect of it is just our sort of approach about 
trying to be a little more honest and open with um, the borrowers when we have the conversations with them. You know, you can you can take recent experience in the market, which I've been a little bit critical of, but uh, you know, the variable rate experience. Just take that as an example. Uh-huh. A lot of customers took variable rate mortgages much more than ever in history. Normally, variable rate mortgages are less than thirty percent of the overall market. And you know, late, about a year ago from now into early 2022, it was you know 55% of the market. Why was that? I think it was because the, the industry was pushing variable rate mortgages as an opportunity. You know, there's an opportunity here to get a lower rate than a fixed rate, and you know what's going to happen? The rates can't get that bad. And so, you know, <laughs> famous last was, words. Yeah, it, it, it was reckless advice, really. It was it was bad advice. And so we don't. We're not here to predict where rates are going. We're not telling our customers that rates are going down. We're not telling them they're going up. We're not saying that if you take a two-year fixed-rate mortgage, you're going to benefit because rates will for sure be lower in two years because we just don't know that. What, what, what a broker should do, in our opinion, is evaluate this customer's risk tolerance and then discuss the different product features that might be available to them so they understand what the positives are but also what the risks are. And I think what happened in the last couple of years is most advisors talked a lot about the opportunities of variable rate mortgage, but they didn't talk about the risks. And so we ended up with this big increase in variable rate mortgage volume versus history. And I think that's one of the main reasons for it. And uh, so we got we received some positive feedback from our customers about that level of advice that we're giving them, that we take the time to spend with them to explain all the risks of the products that they're interested in. So if somebody comes in saying they want a variable, we say, great, you know, it might be right for you. Here, here's the opportunity, here's the risks. And sometimes they still go get a variable because it's what they want. Other times they change their mind because they hadn't thought of the things we told them. So we're trying, you know, we're trying to be, you know, that customer first thorough advisor that's just being a little more frank, quite frankly, that's where the name comes from. It's the adjective, being honest and forthright with people. It's not a, it's not a name. So um, it, it works both. Got, it works both it's fine. <laughs> so, um, so question for you. So, I'm so of course no no battle plan survives first encounter with the enemy. I'm curious as to after launching this, what was the most like surprising piece of feedback you were given, or the thing that you were just surprised people weren't taking to? Was there any kind of misfires that you can share? Yeah, um, you know, we've we've had to learn very quickly to be very careful about the steps we 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 are asking people to take you know the the the, it's an online system it's got to be customer friendly and the more hurdles you make someone jump to get through a process obviously the the more you're going to see drop off so we we started to experience some drop off in the early process that we had set up um you know beginning of the year and so we've made some changes we've 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 made some changes in in the process and in the system to just make it a little easier for consumers to get from point a to point b to point c by just removing some of those incremental steps that we thought maybe gave us better information, but were, you know, too cumbersome for the for the user. So simplicity is very important here as well. Okay, excellent. And I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's you know, it's honestly a common refrain. I mean, I think back to some of the stuff like talking to robo advisors and whatever. It's you know, you want to capture. It's a delicate balance. Again, you know, there's every successive field you ask them to populate is one it increases the probability you're gonna, they're going to drop off. And then right. the other thing is if you ask them for the wrong information too early in the, in, in the engagement, they might get turned off because it's too confidential, right? Like, so simple example was with a robo-advisor who basically had the SIN number like right near the beginning of the onboarding, right? And then they, you know, they found people were dropping off around there. When they moved it to the end, 
the engagement rate through the, went through the roof simply because yeah. now they, they've gone through the journey, they've seen the value, they know where they're going, and now they're committing, right? But when you ask them for the thing that's sensitive up front, that, that can often detract people from, from basically making that leap of faith. That's right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's uh, now that they've got some investment in the process too, because they spent the time filling all that, all those forms out, they're more inclined to give you that personal information. Yeah. Now we, we see that with our, with our system for the easy to use tools that you don't have to commit to us with. We were not asking you to register or anything like that. We, you can go through and check your rate. You know, we find people there are reluctant to give us information. But once they've made the decision, once they're a little higher intent customer that's made the decision to get into the application process, we find it that they're much more receptive to providing that level of information, you know, because they've got some trust with us now and they're and they're ready to apply. So that's been a good outcome as well. It's just the trick is getting them from that first step to that second step. Yeah. And I say the other um I mean, and we're all familiar with this, right? People want to, you know, everyone on the internet wants to capture our personal information, especially email addresses that keep on bugging us, right? So I, yeah. I got to say, like, when I go on other sites that shall not be named, and I'm just looking to look up a mortgage rate on behalf of a client or something like that, and the first thing they want is they want to know, they want, they want I, I input the information, and the next screen is, give me your email address. I'm like, nope, I'm here. I'm done. Like, it's just, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm just doing this to hunt it out. So the uh, knowing exactly what to ask for, when to ask for is an incredible skill in, in the online journey. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody on a positive note. And the first is, if you had one wish or something you can change in your industry or the or the, in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? One thing that we could change in the industry as a whole. That's a really good question. I, I think for me, it's just, you know, removing, I'll give you the example that just happened in the marketplace. Volumes are down. And in November, Lenders started putting specials out, but you know what the specials were? They were increased commissions. They weren't lower rates. Mm. I would like the industry to move towards that customer first model because I still think it's still too geared towards delivering successful outcomes for brokers and lenders. And if they were more focused on customer, the first sort of inclination for for lenders and everyone would be, well, you know, rate we got to be more competitive on rate. Let's let's improve our rates to get some volume in a tough market as opposed to saying, let's up our commissions to the brokers so that they steer more business our way. Um, so I'd like to see that change. So, yeah, I mean, it's not unusual. It's a very common issue when there is a intermediary between the client and the and the actual product or service in that, you know, that intermediary, whoever controls the relationship controls the controls at all, right? And at the end of the day, uh, incentives are often designed to control that person who is the uh, the who is the bottleneck, or is that person who's going to direct that business? So it's not unusual. It's just not consumer focused and centric, and not good for the and frankly not good for the industry, any industry in the long run. Because at the end of the day, all you're doing is creating conflict and and basically reducing trust in exchange for a short term pop in revenue. So exactly. Uh, so the, the the ultimate end objective here is that two sided marketplace where consumers and lenders interact directly. We're still there as the tech platform and a regulated intermediary, but our influence in the process is reduced. And it's just a little more of a direct link between the consumer and the the lender. Sorry. Excellent. So second question I have for you is what's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? Capital raising. Hmm. Raising capital's challenging. Last year? Yeah, no, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, you need capital to build the tech and to hire the people you need to sort of try to grow the platform. And, and that market's been a little uh, challenging, at least in the last sort of eight, nine months. Yeah. Well, I would say that the last 12 to 18 months, I'd say it's been sure. very challenging compared to 
the money I saw flowing around before. So you're not the first yeah. one to echo that. Um, yeah. Non-correlated asset class, my butt. Uh, anyway, uh, last uh, question for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on? It keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight of entrepreneurship. Well, what, what excites me is that, you know, I, I really think we have a unique business model and that, you know, what we're, I've been in the market a long time. I, I, I haven't created this just to, you know, do something or to try to just make money. Although obviously, you know, it's a business. So, you know, we have investors and we want to make, make, make a return for them, but We've done this because we really think there's a great opportunity to enhance the experience of consumers in the mortgage market. And the feedback we're getting from consumers is, is confirming that. It's been very positive so far. And we don't see the competitors that are in the marketplace, I think, are in two camps. One is sort of broker-type businesses that have layered some technology on top of their traditional process. They're not looking to transform. They're not looking to disrupt themselves, so to speak. And so that's incremental change. That's good. The technology is fine, but I don't see that as transformative for consumers. And the other one is there's a lot of brokers that have their own lender. So in essence, they're kind of like a broker fronting the lender. They have a bias to steer customers to the lender. So both of those models still have that inherent bias flaw that doesn't address what we're addressing. So we feel like we're unique. We feel like we have a real opportunity to make positive change for consumers here. And, uh, you know, it's a challenge for us now to execute on that vision. But, you know, if we can establish Frank Mortgage as that trusted brand that Canadians identify with as the go-to place to get a mortgage online, you know, we really think we can have a, a, a long-term positive impact on the market for mortgage borrowers as our primary focus. Yep, absolutely. Look, anytime there is, I always say this, anytime there is a conflicted distribution model, all you're doing is creating an opportunity for someone who to come along and just eliminate that conflict and earn trust and take your business away over time, right? At the end, you know, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not rocket science, you know, sooner or later, people are going to choose the thing that they learn again to trust, frankly, or whatever else, whatever you want in the company. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, Don, thank you so much for your time today. I very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. So that was Don Scott, CEO of Frank Mortgages. If you are Canadian in the market for a new mortgage or renewal, please check out Frank Mortgages. As you heard, uh, eliminating the conflict and putting the consumer first. Always a positive. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.